0: Welcome, everyone, to the Bread of Life. My name is Joel Van Hoogen. I'm the Executive Director of the International Outreach and Discipleship Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism, and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I invite you to go to cpeonline.org and learn more about our work to reach the lost in over 40 different countries. To learn about our ministry in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Today, we take up a consideration of the first words found in Mark's Gospel— Every good story begins with a good beginning. Mark, at the beginning of his Gospel, proposes to give us the beginning of the greatest story of all, the Gospel story. The Gospel story is the account of God's work to redeem sinful people through Jesus Christ, His Son. And what we have in the first verse of the first chapter of Mark is the title of his book. It explains why there's no verb in that first phrase, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's it. It's a nice-sized title. Long enough for a sermon. It's worth noting that Mark doesn't put his name on this account that he's writing. The story he is about to tell us does not belong to him. The word that are the gospel of Jesus Christ is a genitive in the Greek and it's a genitive of possession. It is the story belonging to or of Jesus Christ. It's not a human invention. The writers of the New Testament took great pains to express that the message they delivered to individuals was simply something they were communicating as ambassadors and messengers of God. We should remember that Paul and Peter were both spiritual mentors to Mark. And we ought to, for a moment, consider their words to Mark. In Acts chapter 12, verse 12 is the first time we hear reference to Mark. And there we hear reference to Mark because he is in the home of his mother in Jerusalem. There is a home that's identified belonging to a woman named Mary who is the mother of Mark. In that home, at this point in time in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, we might suppose that Mark is there. And not only is Mark there, but it appears that most of the church, the early church, is gathered there and they're praying. And the reason they're praying is because King Herod has decided that he's gonna start persecuting the church. And he's rounded up some of the leaders. thrown them in prison and one of these that he's rounded up is Peter and Peter is in prison and he's put in chains in prison between two soldiers the church gathers together to pray for him they are afraid that Peter might meet the end of his life right there in prison and they're gathered that night praying for them and as they're praying an angel comes into the prison where Peter is actually wakes Peter up the chains fall off of Peter, and the angel tells Peter to follow him. And the angel leads Peter out through the prison, past two different guards, out gates that are opened up where the prison gates, and leads him out into the city streets of Jerusalem in the middle of the night. Peter makes his way to Mary's house, the mother of Mark. There's a lot of Marys in the Bible, and so the person who wants to make sure we know which Mary it is, it's the mother of Mark. And there Peter gathers, having escaped prison, there is the first time that we get a picture, the first time which we could assume the presence of Mark was there in that home, in Jerusalem, with his mother, praying for Peter, and that might be the first time we encounter him. The last time, in a sense, that we know of Mark's existence and presence, or one of the last times, not the last, but one of the last times, he's in Rome, and now he's with Peter, and he's with Peter before he is crucified upside down on a cross. Christian tradition tells us that Mark was with Peter at that time, and... A part of that tradition says that it's possible that it was there in Rome. Many people believe that Mark wrote his gospel, the gospel of Mark. So Mark is with Peter when he's in prison in Jerusalem, and Mark is with Peter when he's imprisoned in, in Rome. And while in Rome, Peter wrote Second Peter, the book of Second Peter. There, Peter is very quick to recognize the impending death that's before him, and to make a clear statement about the nature of his message. And what Peter wants us to know is that this message did not originate from him. Go to 2 Peter 1, verses 13-21. through I want to read it to you in the NIV. Mark is there with him. Mark is privy to what it is that Peter writes. Peter writes, in verse 13 of chapter one of Second Peter, "I think it right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His Majesty. Now Peter is going to refer to the account that he witnessed on the Mount of Transfiguration when Christ was transfigured before he and James and John. For we received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mount. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain and we will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts above all you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And what Peter is telling us is what Mark wants us to know. This good news message is God's. This message belongs to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. This is not the story made up, a story made up by humans. It's not a story made up by us apostles. It's not the invention of a man. It's not the fanciful storytellings of a man who's gifted at telling stories. This is Christ's story. It belongs to him. The very last book that Paul wrote is 2 Timothy. In that book, he is also in prison in Rome, and he writes to Timothy, and in it he writes that Timothy would send Mark to him, because Mark, he says, is helpful for him. And so we understand that Mark would have been privy to the writings of Paul, and Mark would have been with Paul eventually in Rome as well. And Mark would have received the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, the the last letter that Paul wrote before he was beheaded. And there in that book, Paul also wants to make sure that we understand that the gospel is the power of God. He speaks about it as being, for Timothy, something that makes him wise unto salvation, the scriptures. And in that book, Paul makes statements that put and juxtapose the scriptures that had been written of old with his own words. He includes his own words within the framework of the scripture. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he says that statement that many of us know. Just very briefly, he says, All scripture is God-breathed. That is, it is the expression of God's voice. Paul says men wrote the very words that they wrote, the very particular words they wrote, they wrote as they were led by the Holy Spirit. Paul says all of it in totality is God's breath. It's God's word. The parts and the whole are all from God. And so Peter says men spoke from God. And Paul says all scripture is God breathed. And they want us to know that this message belongs to God. It's not made up by humans. And they both sealed this conviction with their own blood and mark was mentored by both of these men and mark very likely was witness to both of these men's death and their lesson wasn't lost on him this is God's gospel this is the gospel that belongs to the Son of God Jesus Christ be certain of it be sure of it hold it study it know it on that basis treasure it in that way hallow it for that reason the second thing that you'll see here is that this gospel is not a book that has been written but a story that has been proven it's not a book that's been written but a story that's been proven the phrase that you have if you take your bibles and you look at the very beginning you see the gospel according to matthew Then you see the gospel according to Mark, and then you see the gospel according to Luke, and the gospel according to John, and you should know that these titles were affixed to these works later on. That's not the title that Mark gave to his gospel. He didn't give the title, the gospel according to Mark. He gave the title, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the title he gave to it. The unfortunate thing about the titles as they've been given to us is it can lead us to the idea and the thought that there are four gospels, and there aren't. There's only one gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the other unfortunate thing is that we can think that somehow these gospels are contained in such a way that they're just books to be read. I read the gospel of Matthew, and I read the gospel of Mark, and of Luke, and of John, and I've read the four gospels instead of the one gospel. And the truth is that the gospel is not a book to be read. It's a truth. It's a story. It's a declaration to be received. That's how it was intended, and that's how it was given. And Mark is writing here in the same way Matthew, in the same way Luke, in the same way John, to express to us simply of the times in which this gospel story took shape, and the place where it came forth, and of the person who authored it. They are writing in such a way that we would come before it, and we would see the one who put all of the goodness and all of the power and all of the life into the story, we would see Jesus Christ. And we would hail him as the Christ, the Savior, the Son of God. These books really were written as evidence to prove the truth of the good news story. Matthew tries to bring home that evidence by showing that Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecy. Luke will try to show us that Jesus Christ fulfills this good news story by being the epitome of the perfect, wonderful man. Luke wants us to behold the man and see him teaching and interacting with people and imparting his life. And and John writes, and John wants us to see that this one is not simply the perfect man, but that there's a capstone to all of his life and that he is very God of very God. He is the Word made flesh. He is God tabernacling among us and living among us. And so John's emphasis is on this divine expression of God in the flesh. Each one of us wants to read the story and when we come to the end of it say, This indeed is God. This indeed is the author of the good news. This is Jesus the Christ. Mark writes his story. Mark wants to set out the validity of the good news story of God's redemptive work saving sinful people through Jesus Christ. He wants us to come to a confirmation of this by seeing the historically momentous life of Jesus Christ. And the focus that he puts upon it is his service, his acts, Mark wants us to Bread look Life at his radio great radio is a works. ministry. And so you one event after another church event, church event after another event after almost the of every fellowship of boys. To learn more about or, our and work then around the world. As if Mark go doesn't want you to stop reading online. And the next or or thing that happened and the next CPE. thing that happened and to learn more about our local fellowship regular in the again your financial gifts make possible this ministry and our work to make disciples of Christ in all of the nations. Until the next action time, May the God book of bless Mark. you. And you took out all of the basic words of Jesus out of the book of Mark and you took all the words where Jesus is teaching out of the book of Matthew, and you took all the words of Jesus He's teaching in the book of Luke, Mark would be the biggest book. It would be the thickest book because Mark's book is on his action, his action, his action, his action. And he wants people to see all the acts of Christ. In the Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about our work around the world, in your neighborhood, or for a copy of this message, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until our next time in the Word of God, may God bless you.